Welcome to Startup to Scale, a podcast by Food Bevy. I'm your host, Jordan Buckner. Join me as I talk to aspiring entrepreneurs, seasoned industry experts, and everyone in between as we unlock the keys to growing from startup to scale. Hey everyone, Jordan here with the Startup to Scale podcast, and today I'm super excited to catch up with Matt Beck, who is the founder of Happy Planet Foods and the CEO of Exo Protein, which a company they recently acquired just uh, uh, this year, a couple months ago, a month ago. And so happy to get into some of the details there of growing a a kind of two companies at once and and blending those together. So Matt, I know you have a bunch of experience kind of working with, um, with PepsiCo in your past and, and working in the tech space as well. So just give me a quick intro on what is maybe you're just like, what, what, what's your vision for your product and what are you trying to do in the world? Oh man, that's a, that's a bold question. Uh, to start off. So, you know, our, our mission is to bring nutritious, more delicious and sustainable snacks to the world. And so we, we try to strive to do that every day and every product that we do in the way that we think about it. Um, our, our goal is, uh, you know, I, I consider us uh, as a company that can have products in all different categories across all different consumer needs. And you think of the, the largest, you know, uh, branded companies in the world. There's no reason why, why we can't run with them at some point. So, um, you know, that's, that's the bold vision that we have. We're kind of building day by day to get there. So you're doing that with our cheddar protein. And for those who don't know, are made from, who derive from crickets, right? Correct. So talk about why crickets and what those products kind of look like. Yeah. So, you know, it, for us, as we talk about it now, it sounds like, oh my gosh, that might seem like a, like an odd ingredient. Actually, when you, when you look at it from a global perspective, it's actually not rare, not at all. It's actually the it, U.S. and uh, Western diets are kind of the oddity. Most of the rest of the world uses uh, insect proteins and alternative sources of proteins every day in their foods as, as raw ingredients, as things that they put into other stuff. And so it's more of actually helping get uh, the U.S. and our market back up, uh, kind of up to the level playing field with, with where the rest of the world is. And, you know, the reason it's actually so important is, is a, couple, a couple of things. First of all, um, as, a, as a source uh, of nutrition in and itself, cheddar protein is what we call nature superfood. It, it's tremendously beneficial. It's extremely high in, in natural protein content. doesn't take lots of processing right? It has, it's a, a natural prebiotic. It has more potassium uh, than whey protein. It's got more calcium than milk. It's kind of just this great superfood that makes a lot of sense because it actually supports quite a lot of the, the, the diverse ecosystem in, in, in the world. Uh, it also has a tremendous impact on sustainability compared to other protein uh, sources. When you think about um, water needs, about 99% less water to raise, you know, to get a pound of uh, a cheddar protein versus say whey takes 99% less land. And so when we think about feeding a global population, that's, you know, going to encroach on to 10 billion people. And we think about the dramatic change of uh, our climate, like this is kind of a must do, you know, pretty immediately. I love that. So tons of benefits to the actual protein and to the ingredient, but a huge challenge of introducing that to the U.S. market, right? I remember a couple of years ago, there's a huge um, kind of fanfare around cricket as an ingredient, getting into things. And a lot of people were honestly like freaked out about it just because they had zero familiarity with eating any type of like insect, insect protein, or just like it was not part of 
of Western or especially American diets. And so how are you taking that approach to your product development to introduce it in a approachable way? That's a, that's a very fair question. So really we think about that as in, in two parts. First is to your point, how do you introduce it? And the second is how do you talk to people about it? So, uh, and first and foremost, actually, there's probably how do you talk to people about it? And that's, I think, the major difference that we've taken versus some of the predecessors. Uh, in the past, people have focused on the protein as uh, more of a novelty item, as something that it was, you're going to try this because it's something you've never tried before. Our focus is, this is a cheddar protein. Cheddar, by the way, is the scientific name of cricket. It's a cheddar protein. And it focuses on the benefits to you as a person. And when you focus on the benefits to somebody, uh, the, how those benefits are derived become less important than what the, the, sum of, the sum of all of it combined is. So really good example that I'll give you on that is, uh, is someone like Vital Proteins and Collagen Water, right? They exploded onto the scene. They became extremely popular, mostly because they focused on the benefits that collagen has to your skin, to your health regime, and to beauty. Also pack some protein in there as well, right? If, most people don't actually dig in to find out, hey, where does collagen come from? Am I okay? You know, wh why is this different? What are we doing? Uh, you know, you do just Google it and you, and, you, and you know, but but in reality, what it did is it focused on the benefit and that's what people are satisfied with. We do the same thing. We focus on the, the better nutrition for you, the better gut health, uh, the way that you're helping improving sustainability. And that's actually why we've seen people buy us and continue to buy us and feel good about trying something new. They're not trying a novelty, they're trying something that's beneficial. In terms of how do we introduce that? Uh, you know, we, we pick products in areas that we believe, including that uh, a cheddar protein in it, makes a material difference to the product. So there's a reason to change, right? So if you um, took the healthiest thing in the world and tried to make it a tiny bit healthier, there's kind of like an incremental change. You know, we started with cookies. We said, there's a really, really big market here of stuff that's really not so great for, for you. Uh, can we use this wonderful, you know, ingredient and help improve that category? And yeah, we've kind of built and gone on from there. Yeah, I like that approach because, right, like you don't have to educate people on what a chocolate chip cookie is or what a peanut butter fudge cookie is. Like yep. people, you know, there's, there's almost 100% awareness and understanding of like what that product is. And then there's just the cheddar protein that's in there. And I think honestly, right, like it's a probably a purposeful choice to call it by its scientific name versus crickets, because I was listening to a podcast the other day about how we, you know, all people have, humans have a bias to think whatever's the like first thing they learn about any topic or any product or anything sticks with them throughout their whole life. Even as you know, things that they learn as a kid will stick with them. And so if you have your parents tell you like, don't eat bugs, right? Like on the playground as a kid, that's going to stick with you your whole life. But I'm pretty sure no one's ever talked about like a cheddar protein. Like I had zero reference to it. And so you get to be the first one to educate me and all your consumers on what that actually is. And so you can start with a positive um, connotation and all the benefits instead of this negative stigma that you're trying to overcome. Yeah, so it really just, it changes the, the frame of reference that someone approaches you with, right? And to your point, it's, it's that very initial reaction and it's the difference between, um, you know, being curious and being hesitant. And when you, when you find someone who's curious, they're much more apt to be very welcoming to, to what you do, especially if you're giving them something that, that benefits them. I love that. So you started off the business, you know, pretty small. I know you were doing some work um, at like the hatchery in Chicago and kind of growing the company and just 
was it last month you acquired um, Exo Protein? Um, tell me about that process, the company, and why you decided to do that. Yeah, so you know our, our goal is to to grow the market, you know, as as quickly and as much as we can for for the use of Echetta Protein in, in all different ways. Um, we'll continue to innovate in our own products, but there are other folks who have products out there as well. And, and the faster we can kind of, uh, all rise the you know, the whole market grows and, uh, EXO was owned by a company called Aspire Food Group, who, who actually makes, uh, a cheddar protein and, and sources it and use it in a number of different ways. And we're very satisfied with, with kind of the way that they've stewarded the market over time. And EXO has been in the market for Gosh, I think it's just over seven years at this point now. So they were kind of one of the, the early leaders in that in that early kind of wave that you spoke about at, at the beginning. And, um, and, and so we've built a good relationship, a very good relationship over time. And we kind of came to this realization where we said, our mission at Hobby Planet is to build the premier Acheta protein-based uh, CPG company in the world. Their mission was to be the premier supplier of that protein to the world. And we said, okay, so sounds like a really good idea if we can come to an agreement to both focus on what we both do best, and then it'll actually benefit both of us in the long run. And, you know, there were obviously more conversations that went into it as, as we kind of talked really kind of throughout the spring and summer uh, that culminated with us, you know, acquiring the XO brand and, and kind of being off to the races uh, as of about six weeks ago. Oh, man, I love that. So with the acquisition, are you... Uh, obviously, like you're getting the branding, the the products that are within there, the customer base. Um, are there any like team members that you're bringing over, or are you and um, your squad kind of doing that work? Uh, no, so it, it's it just the brand comes over to us. The they they had different people touching the brand over the courses of time, but they wanted to redirect those folks uh, elsewhere. So nobody actually was lost uh, through the acquisition. Um, you know, for us, it was more about things that. Uh, we actually have great experience on. And so some things we're going to do in-house versus outsourcing some of the marketing and, and design work and things like that, that have helped us really have pop on it to where it is today. We bring, you know, EXO into that same camp. Yeah. And looking at EXO, right? Like it's great that they've kind of developed this positioning around being a leader in cricket powder and kind of cricket um, protein bars. Whereas your products, I think, are a little bit more, I just say, like, approachable in the standpoint of being cookies or you have, like, a, a strawberry gummy product. Do you see those products and those consumers being different or is, you, is there opportunity to, like, merge those together? That's, that's a really great, great question. Um, th- from a consumer standpoint, um, they actually have quite a lot of consumer crossover. You know, the difference is, is they're very different use cases and why someone might buy them. And so you actually might find someone who buys both brands, um, you know, quite often. As, as we look at them, you know, what, when we acquired the brand, it's certainly with an eye towards thinking about how, how similar or different should these two brands be and stay over the course of time. And they, they'll, they'll live on their own, how we message them, you know, might evolve or, or change over the course of time. But um, you know, we consider Hoppy Planet to be uh, in a, a better for you and indulgent type of brand. We consider EXO to be more of a, a functional performance brand, uh, both of which though cater to what we call casually active consumers. So you're, you're talking about, um, you know, Gen Z and millennials, you're probably between the ages of kind of 18 and 38. Uh, maybe you have kids, maybe you don't, depending on where you fall. Uh, you tend to be uh, trying to be more active or trying to live a bit, uh, a bit of a, a healthier lifestyle. 
you care about sustainability, your impact on the planet. Um, a lot of those folks actually have, um, you know, interest in, in trying new things and international things as well. So uh, it's a kind of a nice aura of, of people that, that have kind of flocked to us that, you know, just, just we continue to try to think of ways to help keep them excited. Yeah, I definitely love that. I see a ton of synergies there. One thing I know our listeners are going to be really curious about is what a acquisition process looks like. And the one thing I know is that it varies completely depending on every deal. So, you know, without going, like, you don't have to go through any specifics of what happened with your deal, but what are some of the things that brands need to consider either if they want to acquire another company or vice versa, they're looking to get acquired for their IP and brand? Yeah, that's a really good question. So, I mean, you got to think about the motivators for, for each side, right? Why, why would you want to acquire a brand or be acquired? And why would the other one want, want to do it? And, and make sure that the motivations on both sides, you know, there's benefit to both, right? Um, the last thing you want is to go do uh, an acquisition or some kind of partnership where, where after you sign the paper, you realize like, oh my gosh, this is really why this happened. Um, because, you know, for, for any number of reasons. Uh, they don't happen necessarily very quickly. I think this was probably five or six months in the making. That was probably fast because uh, we, we, we both mutually saw the benefit very quickly about, about doing the acquisition. You know, I, I would say have a really clear view of what the world looks like for you after the acquisition. Uh, what, if you're the acquirer, how does that benefit your business and your customers? Uh, if you are the one being acquired, you know, how does that acquisition make your brand more beneficial or stronger or do right by you? And, you know, if you have investors or whoever that might be. Yeah, I definitely like that because <laughs> I feel like a lot, uh, there's a lot of posturing, I think early on, right? Like when you're getting to know a company on both sides, you're like, I want to present myself like the best, like possible. And you don't want, you're like not misleading but you might like leave a couple things out or you know add a couple things on what you hope to do um and so it's all about building a relationship making sure that you both have like similar expectations and those expectations are aligned i think is, is key um and then i've also seen lots of deals go through in terms of um like cash-based acquisitions, stock-based acquisitions. And I remember even for T-Squares early on, I was approached by a company that did some other tea products. And they were like, hey, Jordan, we love what you're doing and want to bring you on. And essentially they wanted to me to work for their company and acquire um, T-Squares in like an all stock deal. And, you know, I wasn't interested at the time, but for those kind of listening, there's all sorts of arrangements um, in kind of making that happen. And so really just understanding what you want out of that deal. If you want to be involved, if you don't want to be involved, um, if you're just looking for a cash payout, you know, all those things are going to be super important and help you make that decision. Definitely. Definitely. Awesome, Matt. Well, what's next for the two brands and what are you looking to tackle for, uh, 2022? There's a lot next, hopefully, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, so, um, we've got a couple of exciting things on the horizon. So we're actually launching our next product line for Hoppy Planet. Um, in about six weeks. We're really, really, really excited about that. It's uh, actually going to be the first better for you, actually better for you version of, of like Entenmann's Little Bites. 
anywhere out in the market. So kind of little, you know, mini bite poppers that are going to come out. They're going to be, you know, all natural non-GMO, twice the protein, 30% less sugar, half the size of the ingredient list. So, you know, we're, we're really excited about those. Uh, we've got one or two things coming out um, in the next probably three months for, for EXO as well. So going to be able to make more opportunity, more options for people in the market. And then uh, as we progress through 2022, I think you're probably going to start to see both of our brands uh, in popping up in a lot more places. Uh, you know, today, Hobby Planet is sold in, you know, in and around Chicago. It's carried in, you know, Hy-Vee supermarkets in the Midwest. Uh, EXO is carried more in the Southwest. Uh, and I think you're going to start to see both of them appear a bit more from coast to coast. So uh, if you see them, by all means, uh, grab one, give it a try. Let us know what you think. I always love to hear it. Yeah, definitely. I've tried your uh, chocolate chip cookies and absolutely love them. They taste great, right? Um, <laughs> Matt, thanks so much. I definitely appreciate it. And best of luck uh, going into next year. Thank you so much, Jordan. It's great to talk to you as always.